Today's show is brought to you by our new sponsor, Cog Network. Cog Network, geared for gain. Cog Network is hedge fund investing evolved. By owning Cog Network tokens, you get exposure to the hedge fund's gains. The hedge fund is comprised of algorithmically traded commodity futures and investment in hard assets related to energy. The first hard asset is partial ownership of a multi-million dollar solar farm that has a crypto mining operation attached. I mean, this is really something that both traditional and crypto investors can come together and participate in. So for traditional investors, they can get exposure to cutting edge blockchain technology in a framework that they're familiar with, a hedge fund, right? And crypto investors can get exposure to an actual security that bears dividends and includes non-crypto assets. So that's super cool. And just for full disclosure, Cog Network is a fully registered and regulated entity qualified by the SEC as a Reg D as well as a Reg S and has a 506C exemption. They've been working with lawmakers since 2017 to get this idea built out in a fully compliant way. Crypt Nation, if you guys are interested in learning more about a tokenized hedge fund, go visit www.cog.network. All right, everybody, we are back with another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. It's your host, Bryce, and joined, as always, by Pizza Mind, the notorious PIZ. What's up, brother? I'm doing exceptional today. I'm highly caffeinated, highly motivated. There's all kinds of volatility in the stock market, and there's all kinds of volatility in the Bitcoin market. This is an amazing time to be where we are, trapped inside our houses with nowhere to go. It's been a really, really crazy time. Uh, I'm definitely making the most of the quarantine, uh, getting lots of good podcast episodes recorded. I mean, we've been recording like crazy. I mean, 35 uh, show, 35 recordings and interviews that are only going to appear on the Crypto Hedge Fund Summit. So for anybody who, who is listening, uh, this is probably the first time we're really talking about the Crypto Hedge Fund Summit. That is, uh, you go to CryptoHedgeFundSummit.com. It's, it's free. Uh, it's all online and you can learn about how, you know, really 35 different hedge funds and investors and really smart people in the space are thinking about making their investments for the next few years. Uh, so we, we talk a lot about, you know, how people are viewing the market, uh, especially after COVID. So, so Pete, are you pretty stoked for, uh, for the hedge fund summit? Yeah, especially because watching all the other virtual conferences online this year, it's the same speakers. It's the same thing over and over again, regurgitating, uh, the same messages we've all heard. But at the Crypto Hedge Fund Summit, we're talking mostly to people that you've never heard of that really drive the markets. Because one of the things is, if you have a lot of money and you brag about it, you're going to make yourself a target. Real wealth does not make itself known. But they are kind enough to come on and share some of the inner secrets from Wall Street, from the traditional world, and not just have the same old echo chamber that we're used to. In my opinion, this is the most important conference of the year. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't say it any better. Um, and without further ado, I'd like to introduce today's guest. Today, we're joined by Brian Wong, the chief product officer uh, and co-founder as well of BTSE, uh, which is a really cool crypto exchange. And, and Brian, it's it, Bitsy or it's BTSE? We'll start there, I suppose. It's uh, Bitsy. Bitsy. Okay, wonderful. So yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, about how you got involved in crypto and why did you start uh, building this exchange? Sure. So I came from a legacy market uh, background. Uh, I started off my career on Wall Street, actually. Uh, I was at Goldman in the fixed uh, income trading division. And uh, you know we were doing all sorts of 
quantitative trading, uh, market making, arbitrage um, strategies. And then later on, I got involved in a hedge fund in, in China where uh, I launched a market making desk uh, to trade a lot of the onshore uh, financial products like index futures, commodity futures. I was trading like gold, silver, uh, rebar, all sorts of things. And then I first heard about Bitcoin around 2013. That was when the first bull market uh, kind of went from like less than $100, uh, shot up to over $1,000. And then in 2013, everyone was talking about uh, Bitcoin in uh, Shanghai. I was in Shanghai at the time. People were saying, oh, you know, moms and pops are all getting into Bitcoin. And that got me interested in this uh, uh, new market, I guess. I was coming more from a, a point of view of like, oh, how can I trade this? It seems like there is there are a lot of opportunities to, to trade Bitcoin, perhaps arbitrage it. Um, so I started looking into it. And then back in the days, the um, opportunities were pretty crazy in Bitcoin for trading. Uh, like you could kind of basically arbitrage uh, in between the few exchanges that ex- existed back in the days by hand. You don't even need a computer. You don't need to connect via API. Uh, you can literally just buy Bitcoin in one exchange, transfer it over the blockchain to another exchange, um, and then sell it and then make a pretty hefty profit. Like sometimes that might be the location of a couple percent. That's how I first learned about Bitcoin. Um, and then I've since been uh, fascinated by the space, by the technology, by the people involved uh, in the space. I would say it's, uh, I stayed in the legacy markets. I continue to um, build trading systems and, and and trade. And then in about 2017, 2018, my co-founders and I, uh, we were witnessing one of the greatest bull markets in history. Um, but at the time, a lot of the other exchanges, they were plagued with issues like system overloads, um, scalability issues, technology issues. So we decided that we want to take up a lot of the know-how that we have how to build proper trading system, how to build scalable trading systems, stable platforms. Uh, my co-founder uh, has built uh, trading systems that will trade billions of dollars a day, very experienced in the technology side of things. So our goal was to really set about uh, building an exchange that can cope with the scalability of Bitcoin. Uh, our vision is like, uh, we think Bitcoin's continuous scale. More people are going to put money into Bitcoin, uh, more hedge funds, more uh, traditional uh, pension funds, perhaps it could be like a pension fund, for, the teacher's pension fund might allocate a portion of the AUM into Bitcoin. So the the space will continue to grow, uh, but we need technology, we need exchange that can cope with that scale. So that's kind of how we set off to build Bitsy Exchange. We built the proper foundation uh, layer uh, so that it's highly scalable. It can cope with a lot of concurrent users uh, it's very low latency and very high performance. That's really awesome. I mean, you you come from a tremendous background, and this is, you're right. That's exactly what we need. Like even today, we're seeing you know spikes in volume, and Coinbase is crashing, Bitmex is crashing. All these platforms that have a lot of the traffic, they can't handle it. And you're right. We do need something that can scale. And let's talk about the future of getting crypto from fiat to crypto, whether it's a retail, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people coming in or a big pension fund. What is the future for crypto exchanges? I mean, how many are there out there at this point? There's hundreds. What are the differences, if any, between one exchange to the next? 
Yeah, I would say really there are probably by now hundreds of crypto exchanges, maybe even over maybe thousands. Um, I, I kind of lost track. So it's a very competitive space. And I would say in the past year or two, there has been a new breed of uh, exchanges that have become popular. Um, uh, before 2017, I would say mostly uh, like spot, uh, plain old spot exchanges. Um, so people don't really trade with leverage or, or sometimes they trade uh, with margin, uh, but maybe like 2x, 3x leverage. Uh, the new breed that's been really popular in the past two, three years, uh, futures exchange, uh, even uh, in the past year or so, options have caught on a bit more. Uh, I would say for, for Bitsy, we focus on a couple of things. Uh, we are a spot and a futures exchange. And we are right now, we're also looking into uh, nonlinear derivatives like options or even other uh, more exotic products. Um, so it's pretty much everything that you need. Um, so uh, whether or not you want to buy spot Bitcoin or sell spot Bitcoin on Ethereum, uh, you can do that on Bitsy. But at the same time, you can also trade out our futures. Uh, one thing that's quite different about us is uh, we have something called linear future. So most other futures platform, they have something called inverse future where uh, you collateralize your position with Bitcoin, for example. And uh, each contract that you trade in, in futures is uh, denominated in a fixed dollar value. For us, it's, ours is much more similar to legacy market futures. So uh, each uh, future is denominated by a fixed amount of Bitcoin. We think that's more user-friendly, it's easier to trade, and it's easier for you to hedge your uh, exposure in Bitcoin. Okay, well, cool. That gives us a really good background on like exactly why, exactly why BTSE is so different. It's really prepared for the future, and it's going to scale with Bitcoin. And one of the interesting things that you guys did that I saw, which also Bitfinex did, I'm sure a few others, uh, is the liquid network on Bitcoin. And it was a very important moment for all these crypto exchanges to get behind uh, the liquid network. So do you want to talk a little bit about that experience? Um, maybe just from a, from a high level product wise, was it an easy integration? What was the point uh, and, the, and the goal of the integration with the liquid network? And was that achieved? Um, tell us a little bit about that. So liquid network is a Bitcoin sidechain. Uh, it's comprised of members uh, that can verify transactions on the liquid network. And uh, from our point of view as an exchanges, we, uh, we want to think about what do our users, uh, meaning the traders, what do they care about? So there are a couple of things that came to our mind is that a lot of the traders, especially the whales, they like privacy. Right? They don't want their activity, uh, trading activity or transfer activity to be known to the public. Um, like kind of you mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast, people with money, they kind of want to hide their money. Which is interesting. You look at crypto Twitter. Uh, there are these uh, accounts like Well Alerts. Right? They they tell you, oh, you know, ten thousand Bitcoin has transferred from Wallet A to Wallet B, and people try to interpret what that means. Right? And as a result, you um, people might trade based on these alerts. They might front run a, a, a well based on what they think the well is doing. So wells do want to hide the activity. And what Liquid Network enables is uh, confidential transaction. So. If you are transferring uh, on Liquid Network, you can hide the asset type and also the amount that you're transferring. Another thing that we think is very important to traders is uh, the speed of the transfer. If I'm transferring uh, Bitcoin on the Bitcoin network, 
uh, it, it tends to take a couple confirmation for exchange to acknowledge your transfer. Most exchanges like ours, we we would do something like three to six confirmation on the Bitcoin chain before we would say, okay, your deposit is successful. And as a result, transferring on the Bitcoin blockchain could take a couple of minutes, maybe like 10, 30 minutes for, for you to actually, uh, for your transfer to be successful. Whereas on the Liquid Network, it's very fast. Uh, it takes perhaps two minutes for, for the transfer to be, to, be, uh, to be credited to your to your account, to the receiving end of the, of the account. Um, and that's really important, right? For traders, you want to perhaps want to be arbitraging across exchanges and you need that transfer to happen as quickly as possible so that you can uh, lock in the price discrepancy that you're arbitraging at. Yeah, 100%. Without uh, the Liquid Network, you know, in the past, Bitcoin, especially during busy times, it might not even arrive till the next day. So what other traders have done is they would quickly sell Bitcoin into Tether or XRP, transfer that and then have to rebuy back. Um, in that time, the price could slip. There's different, you know, levels of fees. But just being able to send Bitcoin that confirms in a few minutes uh, is really, really a game changer. One of the other things I want to point out is all these new products, as you mentioned, uh, they can be used to hedge risk if you know what you're doing. But putting, you know, uh, an AK-47 in the hands of a toddler is a lot of, uh, it's a pretty good analogy for what high leverage trading is to the retail crypto investor. Um, are there any rules in places to prevent exchanges from trading against their own customers or running shark tanks? Right now, the crypto space is still relatively unregulated. So you don't really get the type of um, regulations that you would see in legacy markets. So not right now, but I do expect as crypto become more mainstream, especially when, let's say, uh, legacy hedge funds or pension funds start to get into the crypto space, I would. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the 3-in-1, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I really would not be surprised if regulations are formed uh, to provide more transparency and clarity in the crypto space. And that's good for the space too. It brings crypto to, uh, to the masses, in my opinion. Because it's regulated, even your average show investor can have easier access on-ramp and off-ramp uh, into crypto. You can perhaps even walk into your local E-Trade or TD America trade uh, broker and buy and sell crypto. What do you think is one thing uh, that the market really needs currently, infrastructure wise, in order to kind of build the rails for for mass adoption? What's what's one thing you could think of of all the different things? I think the really key thing here is the fiat on and off ramp. Um, it's perhaps one of the biggest challenges for crypto space. Um, Break down exactly why that is so challenging, because you know I understand that you know it's always a, a touch point uh, that there's always kind of friction when you have these touch points between banks and crypto apps and stuff because of all these KYC AML things. But really, what's going on behind the scenes? Why is it so difficult? It's because the well, let me kind of take a step back, right? Uh, without fiat on and off ramp, then your crypto space as a whole, it's the same group of people who already have coin, sort of trading or transferring coins in between each other. And that doesn't really help grow the space. Like, let's say if you think of the space as the, the AUM, the asset under management of the whole crypto space, the market cap of crypto space. What you need is you need to sort of bring in new people, new money into the crypto space for to help it grow. Grow the number of people uh, using crypto and grow the AUM uh, or market capitalization of, of crypto as well. So that requires the fiat on and off ramp. So people can easily convert that fiat to buy crypto or sell crypto. And also helps you potentially connect your everyday kind of transaction let's say you go to mcdonald's to buy stuff with crypto right that, that's kind of also fiat on and off ramp because uh, perhaps you can pay for your mcdonald's with bitcoin and in that process you're converting your bitcoin into dollars to pay for uh, your mcdonald's meal so why is fiat on and off ramp so difficult 
that has to do with regulations and laws uh, around the world. Uh, because the moment you, you touch fiat, um, then there are all these um, KYC and AML requirements imposed by, by the bank, by local laws, by local state. Uh, in the States, for example, if let's say you want to be an exchange that serves American customer, uh, you have to get a uh, money remittance license in every state that's unique to each state. And in, for example, in, in New York state, you have to get the bid license. So th- there are all these overhead uh, that are very expensive because you, you involve lawyers, you involve uh, complex legal regulations, and it's unique to each state, unique to each country. And so that makes scaling much more difficult. Like if an exchange wants to uh, be present in every country out there, the amount of legal uh, hurdles that they have to go through. I mean, if an exchange wants to be serving customers with, uh, with fiat on and off ramps in every country out there, then, then the amount of legal hurdles that they have to uh, go through is, is tremendous. And that costs a lot of money. Um, so that, that's sort of where I see is, is one of the pain points uh, in crypto right now. That said, uh, for Bitsy, we, we do support fiat on and off ramps in, uh, and we support uh, eight number of major fiat currencies. Um, and one of the really unique features that we have is multi-currency spot order book. And the purpose of that is really to sort of bring Bitcoin to the masses, bring Bitcoin to people who might not be, uh, who are using currency pairs that traditionally may not have a lot of liquidity in Bitcoin. Like, for example, Bitcoin Hong Kong dollar pair, uh, the liquidity there isn't great. So we have something that's unique for Bitsy Exchange. I don't think anybody else has, has it, where we actually aggregate liquidity in our spot order book across all the different fiat pairs. So someone who is trading Bitcoin US dollar may transact with someone who is trading Bitcoin Hong Kong dollar, and that's they really all cool. share the same liquidity. That's something that no other exchange I've ever heard of has done. Took some fancy engineering, I, I suppose. Yeah, it's. I don't think anyone has it. Has it. Uh, so there's a lot of things that happens under the the curtain in the engine side. Uh, how we make that happen? That's really cool. Um, speaking of the Hong Kong dollar, you are based out of Hong Kong, and we want to shift the conversation a little bit just to what's going on in the world at large right now. We're really curious. What's going on in Hong Kong in regards to the virus and lockdowns and a lot of the stuff that was going on earlier in the year? How are you doing? Uh, What's going on in your neck of the woods right now? Can you give us some real truthful information from the ground floor? Yeah, sure. It's uh, so it's quite an interesting um, uh, situation to be in. Hong Kong back in 2003 uh, sort of got hit really, really hard by. SARS, um, which when COVID-19 was first uh, discovered, I think it was, uh, if I recall, it was about end of December. That's when news started coming out that um, there's a new SARS virus going around in Wuhan. People got quite alerted, I guess, in Hong Kong. By Uh, SARS, right? Yeah. It brings back a lot of bad memories. I can tell you in 2003, I was on a plane. Uh, flying from Boston to Hong Kong, uh, that plane was like completely empty. Sort of what you see today, but 
that was in 2003 and it was you know sauce right, was so the, scar, the scars the scars are a little bit more real for for people in hong kong than they might be for people in america because we've never experienced anything like that but you're you you have yeah yeah and economy was was hit really severely uh hard back in 2003 right real estate was down the rock bottom of hong kong real estate was 2003 uh the year of the sauce uh, i mean since then it has been crazy uh in terms of real estate prices in hong kong but yeah so it brings back a lot of uh memories for people who uh, experience uh, that um, the 2003 SARS era, and uh, so people were, you know, had awareness. They, they know what's going on, and um, the moment that things start to, uh, you know, the number of confirmed cases uh, start to grow exponentially in China, that was probably end of Jan. I think that's when the the 10 case, uh, 10k cases were crossed and then it started to grow exponentially since then um so people wore masks people stopped really sort of voluntarily going outside and people took took very precautionary measures in terms of personal hygiene and whatnot but i can tell you you know the the percentage of uh people wearing masks in hong kong is a hundred percent like a hundred percent that's awesome so how has of uh, the fear and the infection rate changed in all this time. It's now almost mid towards the end of May. Has life started getting back to normal or is the threat still very real over there despite all these precautionary measures? The threat for sure is real um, from the sense that people uh, know that could be a second wave or a third wave. Uh, so awareness is high. Uh, but in terms of the cases, the uh, daily cases peaked, I would say, somewhere in March, uh, early to mid-March, right when things started to go really crazy and markets started to, uh, to crash in crypto and equities markets um, in, in the States. Um, so I would say since mid, mid to end of March, things have been relatively normal here. I would say like most of the uh, bans on like so- social distancing us have hasn't really lifted per se, but they have been relaxed. So, for example, uh, in April, throughout the all of April and most of uh, uh, earlier parts of May, each restaurant can uh, each table at the restaurant can only sit four people. That has since now been relaxed to eight people, and you can tell you know during the weekends restaurants are packed, streets of Hong Kong are completely packed, so people are kind of rebounding back into social activity. I think that's really good to hear. Um, kind of outside of anything going on in the exchange space, uh, what's a really interesting trend that you're kind of keeping your eye on here for the, the back half of 2020? What's maybe one project that you're excited about or one really cool idea being floated? Outside of crypto? or in crypto? Sorry, out, outside of just uh, anything bu- that you're building currently. Let me have to think. Sure. I just, I always like to think about how many cool ideas there are in crypto. Um, and, you know, whether it's DeFi, like that's something that I've been thinking a lot about recently. Some of those cool protocols that are coming out, like uh, Future Swap and, and Synthetics. And one of the things I've been really looking to lately is big data stuff. Um, I mean, we all know Singularity and we talk about Ocean Protocol a lot, uh, Enigma, 
But I feel like that's still a very, very untapped market that is just barely in its infancy. And I think crypto and blockchain and AI have the tremendous potential to disrupt, and we haven't even seen it begin yet. Yeah, I think something in DeFi can be really interesting. Um, I'm just sort of thinking from um, the point of view of legacy markets. Uh, like, you know, in legacy markets, a lot of trades happen OTC style, uh, basically broker to broker, uh, a bank versus a bank. Um, and, and there's a lot of uh, risk offloading happens over the counter, uh, not, not through an exchange, but over the counter. So something in DeFi where you can programmatically create some of these OTC products uh, where counterparties can have PL calculations, have, can have price reference pricing, can have um, uh, liquidations, margin call, all done in a programmatic way in code. Uh, that could be really interesting. That could really sort of liberalize uh, over-the-counter structured products, over-the-counter trading. Yeah, are there some... Uh, I feel like I was, I was recently talking to somebody who had a similar idea, but do you know any projects that are actually uh, building some kind of uh, software just like that? Yeah, actually, um, uh, I think someone I know from my school is doing something in along those lines. It's called UMA protocol. UMA protocol. Okay. Yeah. Universal messaging something. Uh, I stands think it stands for universal market access. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. I, we heard, we, I think somebody was just talking to us about that recently. Anyhow, um, sorry. Uh, I was, I was just thinking about that, but yeah, very, 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 very cool stuff. You know, a couple questions before we, before we let you go, uh, that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast, you know, if this is really the first time somebody's listening to a cryptocurrency podcast, right? There's a lot of new people coming in the market every single day. You know, what's one thing that you would want them to know about the cryptocurrency space? It's still a young space. Uh, cryptocurrency fundamental is very volatile, I would say. Uh, but it's still um, wise to allocate a portion of your uh, portfolio into crypto uh, as a hedge against inflation, as something that could potentially appreciate quite a lot over the course of the next decades or so. Uh, but look at it as a long-term investment. Oh, by the way, that shouldn't be taken as an investment advice. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a young space, so it, it takes time to grow. Um, and a lot of things can change over the course of the next couple of years. It's very true. What's one word of advice you would want to give the listeners that may be buying crypto for the first time, at, but are really overwhelmed and confused by all these new terms, new products, new ways of managing or making their money grow that they've never heard of before? Are there any words of warning or words of wisdom that you'd like to share? Listen to Crypto 101 podcast. You will learn a lot. And <laughs> trade pretty, on Bitsy. Yeah, and trade on Bitsy. That's a pretty good one. All right, man. Well, well thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and, and we hope that you, uh, you have a great rest of your day over in Hong Kong. Uh, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a lot of fun. Ciao.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.